This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Hello and welcome to the program. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, John Carlson will join us with a fresh Vancouver market real estate update and more on the 1% Realty story. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. And certainly for we who live in the lower mainland, our top local story is the announcement yesterday by the NDP government of the removal of tolls on the Portman and Golden Ears bridges effective September 1st. This will take the pressure off other infrastructure like the Patello Bridge, which has seen an enormous increase in use as people simply refuse to pay tolls and drive out of their way to use alternate free roads. The Premier says this will shorten commute times and clear up other routes. Note the Patello Bridge. People who still have unpaid tolls until August 31st will have to come up with the loot for those fees. There will be some job losses in the trio offices as a result of this change. And the financing strategy is to transfer the bridge into general debt. This is not as universally popular as you might think either. Green Party government political partner Andrew Weaver has called the decision unfortunate and the policy reckless and worries about BC's ability to service the massive debt these bridges contain. Savings for a typical consumer, however, who uses a car will be in the $1,400 a year range and more than $4,500 a year for commercial users. Well, this is not the happiest story we've ever reported, but it is significant. We Canadians pay a whopping 42.5% of our income in taxes, according to a new report from the Fraser Institute, who says an average family with an income of about $83,000 paid roughly $35,000 in taxes last year. Now, that overall tax bill accounts for federal, provincial, and local taxes, including income, payroll, sales, and property taxes. By comparison, a typical Canadian household spent only 37% of its income on basic necessities. Many Canadians think housing is their biggest household expense, but in fact, the average Canadian family spent more on taxes last year than on life's basic necessities, including housing, said the Director of Fiscal Studies over at the Fraser Institute. Canadians' tax bill has risen by over 2,000% since 1961, much faster than the price of many consumer goods. If there is any good news to be taken from this report, it's that Canadians are paying somewhat lower taxes now than we were between the late 90s and the recession of 2008. We mentioned Andrew Weaver's name a few moments ago in another context, but he's also a big fan of Uber in Vancouver. Once City Hall can get over their obligations to their good friends and donors in the taxi industry, we may yet get that option here too. This story should encourage would-be drivers when the service comes on stream locally. This July, as in last month, Uber added a tipping feature to allow passengers to toss in a little extra for a good ride. In that one month, $50 million has been added in tips. 
That's not the tops in tipping. That belongs to Lyft, whose drivers have collected over a quarter billion in tips. But that's since 2012. The new tipping feature for Uber is part of a campaign to offset some bad PR earlier this year, some of which involved the company's then-CEO. This week, Uber also added on more features for its drivers, including more freedom to deny requested trips from riders and notices when a trip is going to be 45 minutes or longer. Hopefully, this will be incentive for Vancouverites to want to become Uber drivers. We shall soon see. And hopefully, the Uber rollout will be more successful than yesterday's attention-seeking free ice cream promotion that didn't exactly go as planned. Your morning coffee might be the jolt you need to make it to work. But some caffeine in the coffee may also be dulling your taste buds, possibly leaving some folks still craving something sweet. In a study published this week in the Journal of Food Science, researchers at Cornell University in New York looked into whether caffeine affects how people perceive flavors in food and drink. Study participants drank cups of sweetened hot coffee, some of which was caffeinated, while the remaining cups contained decaf. Subjects were then asked to note the sweetness level of the brew and also their own alertness level. This was a basic non-gourmet coffee experience. All of the beverages in the study were made from Folgers, decaf, instant coffee, and Coffee Mate sweetened creamer. Every cup had the same amount of sugar in coffee. Participants rated their drinks as less sweet on average when they contained caffeine compared to when they didn't, showing that caffeine itself may affect our senses. When you drink caffeinated coffee, it will change how you perceive taste for however long that effect lasts, explained the researchers. So if you eat food directly after drinking a caffeinated coffee or other caffeinated drinks, you will likely perceive food differently. Now, this story should come as absolutely no surprise to either parents or teachers. New research from UBC confirms kids are eating more junk food and less nutritious meals during school hours. Not sure about you, but I think they were saying that when I was in school, too. Based on an elaborate scoring system, Canadian kids only got a grade of 53.4 out of 100. Sure, it's a pass, technically, but it's not great, either. The culprits? Pop candy, and salty snacks instead of dairy products or fruit and vegetables. The study was conducted using just under 5,000 school-age Canadian kids aged 6 to 17 and can be found in the journal Applied Physiology, Nutrition, and Metabolism. The researchers at UBC are hopeful the government will develop a national food policy and this will contribute to it. Students in Quebec scored higher than average, followed by Newfoundland and Labrador, Nova Scotia, Ontario, and Manitoba. Those are some of the stories we're following this week. We'll have a few more for you later in the show, and we have a steal report for you, too. But up next, it's John Carlson from 1% Realty with your market update and a look at a new way to do business and save money, too. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this beautiful Saturday afternoon in Vancouver. Sterling Fox joined in studio by John Carlson, Personal Real Estate Corporation from 1% Realty. Hi, John. Hey, good afternoon, Sterling. Good to have you with us, Personal Real Estate Corporation. That's the rules. We have to say that once, right? Yes, correct. I uh, am incorporated and I work as a real estate corporation, so that's the way we need to present this. All right. Well, good to have you with us. And as always, we look forward to our weekly uh, Vancouver real estate market update across the country. The second largest in the world. It's a big country, lots going on. Montreal up 
Toronto, off. Calgary, recovering. How's Vancouver? Vancouver's doing quite well, thank you. Uh, the market has been extremely busy for Dave and I, my partner, and we've been doing, uh, getting quite a bit of activity. I think overall in the summer months, say July and August, there tends to be a little bit of a decline in the number of new listings that hit as you know, people go on holidays or have some other plans. And I think overall the sales numbers are slightly down for that same reason. However, the people that are out in the market are very serious. Those buyers are looking to buy sometimes before their kids get in school. Sure. Um, uh, you know, sellers looking to take care of things before the, the cooler weather hits. So uh, it's been a fantastic August. Okay, so the dog days of summer don't really apply in the real estate business. It may be a little slower, but it, it, it doesn't go away at all, ever, does it? Especially in this town. Not lately, not these last few years. The summer markets have been pretty strong, and the indication I get from the amount of activity I'm seeing towards the end of August suggests to me that we're probably going to have a surge in September. I think there are probably a number of new listings that are going to hit, and the demand for those listings is definitely still strong. Well, I, I think one of the factors that, that may contribute to that too, John, is the fact that here uh, we are an, an, an enviable and incredibly popular destination. More people moving into the greater Vancouver uh, area literally over the summer. It'll, it'll be thousands by the time they do the next headcount. That's absolutely right. Uh, of course, supply and demand is, uh, you know, is, a, is a term that's thrown around a lot in real estate, and it's absolutely true. The demand for our areas, Greater Vancouver and Fraser Valley, yeah. are quite strong. And, uh, you know, the supply is having a hard time keeping up in some segments, particularly the more affordable segments, the condos, the townhomes of certain price ranges. But uh, I think overall, the entire market is very healthy. And I'm looking forward to a busy September. Now, uh, when you drive into anywhere in Metro Vancouver, it's impossible not to note the incredible number of cranes, the construction that's going on in Metro Vancouver, particularly, as you just referenced, in condos and uh, strata properties, is absolutely incredible. Are we keeping up with the demand with this new uh, home construction going at this blistering pace? Well, it takes time to bring projects onto the market, and the demand is there now. So uh, we haven't been keeping up as well as maybe we we could have, but I think that that's uh, uh, being addressed with a lot of new developments. Yes. Okay. So the, if the if the hot properties in Metro Vancouver are the strata, to the townhouses and the condos, what about single family detached homes? I can't imagine that vanishing from the radar by any stretch. Absolutely not. I mean, the detached segment is also still hot. Affordability tends to rule the market. So depending on which area you, you might be in, a, an affordable home might be a, a different price range in Vancouver than Mission, for sure, instance. Sure, of course. But uh, those meat of the market type listings, I like to call them, uh, that is in the affordability range, that the, the, a wide segment of the buyers are looking for, those are definitely still hot. And we're seeing uh, sales quite quick uh, on those properties as well and multiple offer situations on on the majority of them. Uh, So the demand is good overall. So and so, it, it's been a, a busy, not not frantic, but busy summer, and we may reapply frantic when September finally rolls around, and that's only a matter of a few days away. Correct. Okay. So, uh, in terms of, of market valuations and house prices, I mentioned Toronto. We've seen a bit of a correction in that market. No such a comparison here in Vancouver, is there? No. Uh, Vancouver continues to be strong. Uh, greater Vancouver areas. We're talking Vancouver, Burnaby, New Westminster, Tri Cities, mm-hmm. uh, Maple Ridge, and. Pitt Meadows, where I do a lot of business, is, mm-hmm. is rolling along quite nicely. And then into the Fraser Valley, Mission and Chilliwack and Abbotsford, those areas are all quite active too. So overall, the market is very healthy. Uh, I don't see uh, the higher end segment continue to fly up, up, up in price. That segment may have leveled off a little bit. 
But where there's strong demand, the affordable segments where there's a herd of buyers with rate guarantees and they can afford a certain price range, mm-hmm. those properties are being uh, grazed on pretty quickly. Are you finding people who have been sitting on the fence with uh, properties, uh, maybe boomers who are looking to downsize, but taking their time? Has this been a summer of decision for a lot of people? Have, have people sort of come to terms with, you know, maybe downsizing would be a good idea. It's not a bad thing to, to not maintain the house that we only have two people in anymore. So is that that a trend? I mean, it has been. Is that continuing as the summer has gone along? I think so. Uh, a number of the clients that I've worked with recently are uh, downsizers. They're saying, maybe now's the time to get out of the greater Vancouver area. I've had a few clients that have sold and moved over to Vancouver Island, for instance, uh-huh. up in the interior. Uh, so there is that. I mean, but of course, then there's the dynamic of people coming into this area as well. So uh, I guess the answer is yes. A lot of people are looking at uh, cashing in, if you will, and downsizing, but there's still a lot of demand for those buyers coming in to fill those spaces. You're a very busy guy. You and your partner, Dave Mater, and uh, Save with John and Dave, by the way, is the website for 1% Realty that our, our friends are associated with. Uh, you guys, uh, between the two of you, have sold well over a thousand homes, and you're just going flat out the these days, and yet uh, there are uh, uh, there's an overpopulation of realtors in Vancouver, some of whom aren't doing anything. So how come you uh, and Dave, being as busy as you are, keep being as busy as you are? That's a great question, actually, and, and the answer is very simple. Uh, Dave and I offer a fantastic value proposition for people selling their homes. Uh, for many years, I worked at other, some of the other big name companies that you might recognize from their national ads and mm-hmm. all those sorts of things. And when I was at those companies, the traditional commission rate was 7% on the first 100000 and 2.5% on the balance. And, and it still is, isn't it? Well, that's a prevailing rate. Yes, yeah, it's quite yeah. quite popular. And, uh, you know, it, it's a rate with prices the way they are where people are suddenly saying, wait a minute, maybe does it really make sense when they do the math and they say, I want to sell my house and it might be a $500,000 property, might be a million dollar property. Regardless of the price range, they look at the commission rate that they've been quoted by some of these competitors of ours in the business and they say, wait a minute, do these numbers make sense? And really what Dave and I do is we offer the consumer an alternative to that. We offer full service real estate, professional agents who have got a lot of experience and know how to position a home and negotiate and handle the process from beginning to end without cutting any corners but at a fraction of the cost at what some of our competitors charge. And I think that's the reason that we're so busy. We offer great value, and we're experienced to know how to get the job done. I suppose, though, a lot of people will, will take a look at the fact that you offer a lower commission rate than, uh, than many of your competitors, some of whom, as you've just mentioned, you've worked for in the past. Yes. But when you see this reduced option uh, presented to you. You're, we, we consumers are kind of s- suspicious and, and fairly well trained to go, well, you know, if it costs less, it must be worth less. I'm, there must be a catch in here in which my paying less means that somewhere along the line, there's going to be, I'm going to get shorted somehow or another. And that's just not the case. Well, I, I can see why people might think that because, you know, in a lot of industries and a lot of products, when you pay less, you get an awful lot less. Sure. And there is that age old expression, you get what you pay for. Yes. But uh, as a, a realtor, as an, as an agent with 21 years experience, I would suggest to the public that the real estate industry, uh, there is a lot of room in terms of what these commissions are nowadays to still do a full service, good job for a seller and charge a lot less because commissions have gotten quite high. Right. Uh, so w- to answer your question, uh, when you work with me and Dave, um, 
you do get everything that you should get with an agent and sometimes more in terms of experience and marketing and all those sorts of things. Right. But I think it's natural for people to wonder, gee, your commissions are less, therefore am I getting less? Would a, an agent at one of these big companies be better simply because they've got a name of a big company on their business card? And they're going to get more money, so they're going to work harder. Right. So that's maybe what people are thinking. Right. Here's the truth of the matter. Real estate is not a industry that is driven by realtors and agents. Uh, when I started in 1996, I think it was much different. We had catalogs. There was no internet. That's right. So an agent was, uh, if you wanted to know what was on the market, you called your agent and say, hey, Bob, what's, uh, and Bob Br- would say, Bring hey, the we- catalog over. That's right. Yeah. So really now, uh, you, don't, you don't require that. Uh, everybody knows where the listings are and how to find information out on them. Uh, and so it's not, it's not a realtor-driven industry. It's consumer-driven. And consumers are empowered. And consumers, I think, need to start thinking, if you're going to sell your house, What's the best way to go about it? Anybody can sell a house in this kind of market. The key is, what's the best way to maximize the price and have the process handled smoothly and efficiently? And that's where Dave and I come in. We help people keep more of their own money, and we do the full job. John Carlson is with us from 1% Realty. The website, by the way, is savewithjohnanddave.com. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980. We'll pause for the news at the bottom of the hour and be right back with lots more on the 1% Realty story. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on this beautiful Saturday afternoon on News Talk 980 CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by John Carlson from 1% Realty and the website savewithjohnanddave.com. I should probably throw a phone number out on the airwaves, and I'll do so more than once, too, John. But we'll start off with 604-612-0080, and that'll get you right through to John. But please, give give him an opportunity to finish the radio show, and then give him a call. John, we were talking about, before we took the news break, we were talking about the fact that 1% Realty is offering to sellers a, a, a reduced commission rate. Obviously, that's the name of the company, and that's the business model. What other aspects to the business model do people should people know more about uh, to allay those suspicions that we talked about in terms of, well, you know, if you're paying less, you're going to get less, and that's just the way the ball goes. So what other, tell us more about the business model. Well, the business model is quite simple. It is full service at a fraction of the cost. So this is not a fly-by-night type company uh, where uh, you're going to pay less, but uh, you're more or less on your own and, uh, you know, Two guys in a van. Yeah, exactly. That's not Dave and I, and that's not 1% Realty. Once again, the real estate market has become quite inflated. Prices up, commissions up. There's lots of realtors out there that are uh, looking for business. And Dave and I made a decision that we would offer better value to sellers while still providing full service and the expertise that people want. Because after all, the main thing is to get your house sold for the best possible price. And if we didn't do a good job, then it probably wouldn't be worth working with us. So uh, the business model is quite simple. Full service, less commission, keep more money in your pocket while still having everything handled for you by two of the top selling professionals in all of greater Vancouver. Right. And with a thousand homes between uh, John and Dave over the years, and that's, that's, and the volume just keeps coming, John. You just keep, you, you're a busy guy. And since we've started doing this on the radio, uh, if anything, business has picked up even more. Absolutely. And, and I'm very pleased. I got to tell you, I'm very pleased about that. And part. you know, they always ask how Sterling is. So I tell them <laughs> Sterling's great. So, uh, yeah, business is quite good. In fact, last night, uh, you know, I had five listings sell in terms of conditions coming off. So it was a busy day. Uh, we negotiated deals throughout the week. And here's how it generally works. Somebody, maybe they hear us on the radio. They give us a call and they say, 
we live in this town and we want to sell our property and we want to come out, we want you to come out and see what you have to say. So oftentimes we'll come out, meet people, we'll give them an evaluation of their property right. because people want to know what I think a property is worth. But more than that, they want to know what I'm going to do to get them to the finish line. What is the plan? What is the, uh, the strategy? And, and so pricing comes into it and timing comes into it and, and open houses and when you might look at offers. Um, but generally people will give us a call and if they like what we have to say and they give us a listing agreement, we go to work. Photos, virtual tours, open houses, marketing, uh, social media marketing, mm-hmm. the whole bit. And then when the, uh, the, the, the interested parties present themselves and uh, submit offers, that's when a good agent really makes his or her money by, uh, uh, you know, uh, filtering through what's good and what's not good and making recommendations to a seller and negotiating the best pr- possible price and terms. Right. Uh, let's uh, dwell on the best possible price uh, for the seller for a moment or two. And you just talked about an evaluation and how, how important, John, is it to have a current evaluation? Suppose now you've, been, you've got this house. We talked about downsizing. It's time to move. Okay. We thought about it six months ago and we put it off. And now it's time to move. So is that evaluation we got on the property six months ago still a number that we should count on? Or is six months in Metro Vancouver a lifetime that would require a refreshed evaluation before putting it on the market? Well, six months is an awful long time. And, you know, in stable markets that we had maybe 10 years ago, well, it might not have been so bad, but this is not really a stable market. This market's been changing. It's a dynamic market. A lot of segments have been increasing. Some have leveled off. So to answer your question, a six-month-old evaluation is not really worth much of anything. In fact, if I meet with some people uh, and they say, let's meet three weeks and we'll sign the papers, we update the evaluation just even after a few weeks because there are recent sales that we might want to consider. Sure. If you, for instance, uh, I had a, a listing, a new listing. Here's just a quick story. Uh, One-bedroom condo out in Coquitlam. And uh, the trend had been uh, to price them a little bit over the 300 mark. And then, the, you know, they'd sell a little bit over list price in a multiple offer situation. Well, we followed that trend and had the open house set. And in fact, the open house was scheduled for today, but I had to cancel it because we had offers come in. Uh, and, uh, you know, had we looked at what the market was doing a month or two months ago, we might have had prices in the low threes. But as it turned out, we got into the 350 range. Wow simply because we knew that the most recent sales were multiple offer situations. And whenever you have multiple offer situations, there's somebody that didn't succeed and they're still looking to buy. So in some segments, there's a pent-up demand of people looking to buy uh, where there's low inventory and there's not a lot of choice. So really, even a few weeks, you probably want to update your evaluation to see what the most recent activity has done and then use that information to come up with your own strategy in terms of how you might price and et cetera. So if you don't really know what your house is worth and you're thinking of selling, uh, step one would be to get an evaluation. I think it? so, yes. Then, 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 you, then it can either make sense to you or not. Exactly. Let's talk about uh, something that you, you've alluded to, John, but not addressed directly. And that's uh, the, the matter of showing properties and getting it out. You've talked about the social media, the marketing, the MLS, and the internet, and all of those sites that all of the 1% realty listed properties enjoy. The the question a lot of uh, sellers might have is the matter of competing agents from other companies yes. whose commission rates are, well, higher than Correct. 1%. Uh, what about getting their cooperation in terms of selling one of your lower commission properties? Do they avoid you like the plague? Or what's the story behind that? 
That's a great question, and that's probably the number one question that I get when I sit down with people, because there seems to be some uh, notion or conception out there that if you don't put on a big commission to, uh, to, to, to buyer's agents, that the agents won't show the property, that somehow they'll be able to ignore you or, they, or blackball or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Some people seem to have that, that conception. And, and what I can say to that is it's absolutely not true. Uh, again, I worked at other companies and I know who showed my listings and how they sold. And now that I'm at 1% Realty, I still get the same people showing my listings and the same success rate in terms of my sales. And I think there's two good reasons for that. Number one, real estate is in the air we breathe. Uh, it's on MLS. It's almost a sport in this uh, area. And people is. know where the listings are. Yeah. And so to suggest that a buyer might not look at a property because the commission is less than it might be with another competing listing, buyers don't care about all that stuff. They right. want to see the property. And the other thing is that the agency relationship, if I have a client and I'm showing that client properties and I'm their agent, I have a duty to show all available properties that meet the client's needs. And I'm happy to say that realtors in my industry, they're ethical people. They understand that the interests of the client are the interests of the realtor. Right. It's not that if, as a realtor, my number one concern is my commission. And then, hey, if that's satisfied, then I look after the interests of my seller. No, absolutely not. So my listings are shown and offers are written on my listings by all other agents. Now, there is one thing that I do have to do from time to time. Sometimes offers come in from other agents at other companies, and that offer may re- uh, contain a request for additional commission. Okay. And there's nothing unethical about this. If no, an I, agent, I get that part, but how do you handle it? Well, it's up to the seller, and it depends on the situation. The vast majority of times, and this is, this is my experience, it's not the buyer who introduces the idea of their agent getting paid more money. And the buyer doesn't really care too much. The buyer wants the right property at the right price. Absolutely. So there's nothing unethical about asking for an additional commission if you're a buyer's agent and you bring a buyer, and that does happen. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is the seller's in the driver's seat. It's the seller's house. It's the seller's money. And I can tell you the vast majority of time times that uh, a seller challenges that. Maybe a seller makes a counteroffer and removes the extra commission from, from from the offer. The buyer wants to go forward. So... Uh, again, there's no magic bullet. There's a number of different ways. If offers come in and commission is something that becomes negotiable, there's all kinds of ways to deal with it. But the vast majority of times, you can make that go away. Uh, uh, and if not, then there could be another negotiation. But what, what I do not do is I don't throw a big, huge commission like an anchor around my seller's neck and throw them on MLS. Right. We have a very reasonable commission. And if things become it becomes a negotiation. The seller's in the driver's seat. We've got a willing buyer who wants to buy the property. We've got all the leverage in the world. The bottom line is my sellers save money compared to the competition. Absolutely. And let me just uh, throw uh, some numbers at you here. And let's use a million-dollar property, which is not out of line at all in most parts of Metro Vancouver, a little higher perhaps in some of the suburbs. But let's use a million-dollar property as an example. Uh, The commission paid on the sale of that property to 1% Realty would be $10,950. Most other brokers for the same $1 million property will charge you close to $30,000, So by going the 1% realty route, the seller of that 1%, $1 million property rather, gets to keep an extra 
$18,500 simply for having selected 1% realty. Another nineteen grand in your jeans, John. Correct. So the commission, there's a big savings at that price range. And, and let's, let's, be, uh, let's be fair. A million dollars is not a castle anymore. I mean, a, a lot of average homes I know. are a million dollars. It's shocking, but it's true. And that's why I went for that number. It's yeah. a pretty common number these days in Vancouver. And so the commission rate, it's a significant difference. And of course, the higher the property value, the, the more significant the difference as, as things go up. True. And it's really no more difficult to sell a million dollar property than it is a five or $600,000 property. Uh, so again, our philosophy is to provide the absolute best value that we can to the consumer who's selling their home. And uh, that results typically in a lot of savings in commissions compared to what the majority of my competition charges. And I think I agree with you, by the way, wholeheartedly when you say that buyers really don't care about those details. When you're out shopping for a house, you got the car, you're out looking, you've got a few addresses from the internet, and, and you don't care whose sign is on the front lawn. You care about what's behind the front lawn, the house. Is this is this right for us or not? The other details really are insignificant comparatively, well, aren't they? Well, yeah, that's the primary concern. Now, having said that, buyers, agents, when I'm working with buyers, which I do, I mean, th- that is a job. There's a lot of work involved and a lot of clients want their agents to be compensated. I don't think anyone expects anyone to work for free. Well, of course not. But on the other hand, here's the main question. Where do you draw that line? Uh, what is the services of your buyer's agent worth? And that's not up to me to tell any other agent or their client what their services is worth. That's up to them. Uh, but I think we offer reasonable commissions out to agents that bring the buyers. When I represent a seller, it's going to be up to the seller whether or not they want to agree to any commission request from the other agent. Sure. So there's nothing unethical about an agent getting paid to do their services. And a good buyer's agent is a fantastic ally if you're looking to buy a house. The question is, is that agent worth $15,000 if he finds you a house in a week? Or would a 1% realty commission also be acceptable to you as a buyer to your agent? And we leave that to the other agents to decide when we're representing a seller we represent the seller's interest, and the seller's really in charge when it comes to commission because they pay it. Right. Savewithjohnanddave.com is the website. Savewithjohnanddave.com. That's the 1% Realty website. And the million-dollar property uh, figures that I quoted you a few moments ago, uh, there's a grid, a chart, right on the front page of the website that allows you to find your property and the value you think you want to sell your property for, you can get for your property. And the commission, the comparative commission schedule is right there. And it's pretty stark, John. It's all there in black and white. There's no mystery to all of this. It's just 1% realty. That's it. It is. And again, our focus is to maximize your sale. I don't want to actually, you know, it's funny. I don't want to overstate the fact that our commissions are low. Yes, our commissions are lower than the majority of our competition. But the key factor for us is while we work for less money, we also do a great job and we're extremely experienced. We, we're generally among the top 1% and 2% of the, of the industry in terms of the number of sales we do per year, and that's because we provide great value. The number is 604-612-0080. 604-612-0080. Can't let you go before you tip us off to a couple of open houses this weekend. Typically, you're the busiest guy in town on a Sunday. Where are you going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow, I've got a brand new listing in Maple Ridge. And listen up, people, because this one has everything you're looking for in one place. The address is 10580-245 Street in Maple Ridge. This is a new listing at 949.9. It is seven-year-old home and it shows like new. It's a basement entry, five bedrooms. We've got a two-bedroom suite downstairs that's good enough for mom and dad. It's gorgeous. Stainless steel appliances, bright open the whole bit. It's got a triple garage, a triple driveway. It's got a private yard. It's right across from a school. 
got everything going for it. Sunday, 1 to 4, I'll be at 10580-245th Street. Come and see the house or even come and talk to me if you're thinking of selling your home and you want to find out what 1% Realty is all about. All right, and if you want to give John a call, between now and that open house tomorrow, it's 604-612-0080. Best of luck tomorrow, John. Thanks for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Sterling. See you in a couple of weeks. You will. And we're back in just a couple of moments. Welcome back. Once again, our thanks to John Carlson from 1% Realty for the market update. John and his colleague Dave Mater will be back in a couple of weeks. Time now for the Steel Report. Charmaine De Silva sits in today and looks at Uber Eats coming to Vancouver. I'm Charmaine De Silva, and this is your Steel Report. As Uber prepares to enter the BC transportation market, they're testing out other uses for their service, including ice cream delivery. In cities across Canada, um, we use the app to do Uber ice cream, but um, we've got uh, Uber Eats Live in um, six cities across Canada, uh, which is on-demand food delivery, um, and people seem to quite enjoy it. Susie Heath, Senior Communications Associate for Uber Canada, says Uber Eats is something they're hoping to permanently bring to BC. So Uber Eats is our standalone food delivery app, which connects residents with uh, local restaurants. So in Toronto, um, we where the global launch was of the app, we've now got over a thousand local restaurants on the app, 24-7 um, meals delivered on demand right to your door. While they don't have any plans for future Uber Eats test drives, Heath says to keep an eye out on your Uber app for more information on when exactly the service is set to launch in BC. I'm Charmaine De Silva, and that's your Steel Report. Thanks, Charmaine. Steel and Drex, weekdays 2 to 6 on News Talk 980 CKNW. A couple more consumer quickies before we have to go. An Australian researcher may have developed a long-term cure for peanut allergies. A major breakthrough shows a permanent cure for peanut allergy might be close. 82% of children with peanut allergies who went underwent the clinical trial suddenly found themselves able to tolerate peanuts. Professor Mimi Tang of the Children's Research Institute in Australia says, very excited about these results. Uh, The uh, patients were given a probiotic along with peanuts in increasing amounts every day for 18 months to build up a tolerance. The professor also ran a placebo trial in which only 4% of kids were tolerant to peanuts after the trial. And when she completed a follow-up four years later, she found the majority of kids who completed the study had been freely eating peanuts without a care in the world. Over half were eating moderate to large amounts. The importance of this findings, the importance rather of this finding, is that these children were able to eat peanuts like children who don't have a peanut allergy and still maintain their tolerance state, protected against reactions to peanut. Now, Dr. Tang is looking at whether the effects of the treatment improved kids' quality of life, or should be a much easier study. If you want more on it, Professor Mimi Tang at the Children's Research in Australia. Google that one. It's very exciting news. Would you be willing to video chat with an airline customer service rep? Well, this week, Delta Airlines introduced Sky Assist, a video chat project aimed at connecting consumers face-to-face with the airline's reservation system in a few U.S. airports. Passengers simply pick up a receiver at a kiosk, and they're instantly in a video conversation with an airline employee and can either modify reservations or share in-flight experiences and possible complaints. Delta quickly adds, no yelling allowed. And if you're really wound up, there's a keypad you can use to 
organize your complaints. This is an experimental feature and could be added on to the entire system if it proves it to be useful, say Delta execs. This is part of a new approach being tried by Delta, one of many. Others include boarding passes being replaced with fingerprint or other biometric ID methods, which also have face recognition technology being used for baggage drop-off and collection. U.S. passengers aren't exactly embracing this new technology, but aren't rejecting it either. The answer to the question, uh, would you be willing to video chat with an airline customer service rep, shows a 55-45 split in favor of the new methods. Had a chance to check out the new Samsung Galaxy Note 8 this week with the new plush version being demonstrated. Plus, not plush. A nice phone, bigger screen, tons of features. My nagging concerns about battery issues were all answered in that soothing tone parents use when they want you to eat your broccoli and you're not interested. The new phone will be launched here in North America in a few days after its Asian launch last week. And Samsung says it's been triple checked any and all battery issues and has brought in Underwriters Laboratory to do some independent testing. The company goes on to add the rigorous testing combined with other upgrades make the phone safe. Look, we stumbled, says Samsung, and we learned from it. We've applied new processes and we believe consumers will welcome the new phone with open arms. In just a few days, consumers will indeed have the last word. It's worth noting that in a new survey of a 1,000 customers, 64% still consider Samsung products to be reliable, and 27% say they're all set to buy that new Note 8 phone. That is our program for this week. Once again, we thank John Carlson for 1% Realty for his visit. Next week, we'll meet the people from Skynet. Ben Dooley produces this program, and Matt Hyland is at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.